Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a transformative time for Black America. Our income is at an all-time high and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Good morning, everybody. I am your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Thank you for joining us on this blissful Saturday morning, wherever you are in America, or as we learned last week, Canada, London, we're global, baby. Thank you for joining us on this championship weekend where we plan on spending uh, you know, two and a half hours talking about a thumb and maybe 30 minutes on LeBron. But, but seriously, I, uh, I love a good thumb, don't you? It's the only finger you can give a thumbs up with. And it's the only finger you can really blame when you're like, oh, geez, I misspelled that text. Uh, I, I got an email butchered. I, sorry for my thumbs. I apologize. And I'll never forget this. My number one thumb critique. Okay, I was a senior in high school. I think I was a senior, maybe junior. And I'm merging onto the highway, right? And, and I, I did, missed my blind spot or something, and I nearly got in a wreck. And the driver next to me was all angry. 
and he comes up next to me and puts down his window, and I'm waiting for the middle finger. You know, you get the middle finger, it's fine. He gives me his hand and then turns the thumb downward. That's all he did. Not even a middle finger, just a downward thumb. And I'm not going to lie, folks, that stung. I was like, oh, what? I'm a good driver. You're going to give me a thumbs down? So the thumb is a pivotal finger. And, you know, right now, Tom Brady can't use his thumb. If, if reports are to be believed, Tom Brady, greatest quarterback in NFL history, best quarterback left in these playoffs, you know, it's been a dicey 72 hours for his thumb. Let's start with what we know. Number one, thank you, Rex Burkhead, for colliding with Tom Brady on a handoff because it gave football fans, radio hosts, uh, people who run websites, people who talk on TV shows, finally, there is a talking point in championship weekend because I'm not going to lie to you folks. It was bleak. Uh, you know, midweek, I'm sitting here preparing for this show and I'm thinking, well, I, 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 I don't see a line here on Case Keenum versus Nick Foles. There's not a lot of interest. And, uh, you know, the Patriots are favored by nine and a half. And I, I think I can make a case for the Jaguars, but we need some juice. And Rex Burkhead, who allegedly is the Patriots running back who collided with Tom Brady, gave us that news. We finally have a good storyline. And and I got to say, I'm not, you know, Jason McIntyre. I am a conspiracy theorist through and through. I'm not to the, I'm a conspiracy theorist with fun sports stories. I'm not conspiracy with like faking the moon landing. That's not my, that's not my wheelhouse. You want to talk conspiracy theories with uh, football, basketball, you know, whatever. I'm all in on that. And and I am not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to Tom Brady's thumb injury. Okay, there's a lot of people out there saying, hey, this is typical Patriots, okay? They cheat with the deflate gate. We know they the, the whole spy gate and all these gates that the Patriots get involved in and shady behavior by Bill Belichick. I'm not in a conspiracy theorist when it comes to this. I mean, guys, come on. You think Tom Brady's going to fake an injury so he can miss Thursday practice? And and only participate a little bit on Friday before championship weekend? Like, come on, that's a little bit much. I do think the gloves uh, uh, reports say Tom Brady showed up at that press conference Friday when he talked to the media and, and mumbled a couple things to them. He was wearing two gloves to, you know, kind of keep any anybody from speculating on the size or the swelling or maybe blood was leaking through the stitches, Sam. I don't know why Tom Brady wore two gloves to meet the media. But I, I, will, I will say this much. We've had an NFL season with sagging TV ratings, okay? We've had the protests, which I, I know some of you think it had no impact. I believe it had little impact, but there are actually fans out there who bailed on the NFL, okay? My wife's stepdad, diehard NFL fan. I mean, he would watch every Sunday. He would actually call me, Jason, what do you think about the Giants this weekend? Once the protest started, he bailed completely. I'm not, I'm not kidding. He bailed completely, and I actually spoke with him recently. And he's like, I don't even know who's playing this weekend. This is a guy who watched football for the last 25 years. So there, there is something to the protest. It's been a tough season for the NFL. You know, you got no Andrew Luck. Deshaun Watson, a rookie of the year candidate, goes down. He's cooked. Uh, Aaron Rodgers injury, Cowboys injury, no plus. There was a there was some lacking star wattage in the playoffs here. But finally, we have drama. We have drama. 
Tom Brady's thumb. Listen, we, we could go over this as much as you guys want. I don't know how many calls I'll take on a thumb injury. But here is how we need to think about Tom Brady's thumb problem. Okay? He has handed the ball off hundreds of thousands of times in his football career. High school, Michigan, NFL, whether it's practice, off-season, game. He's handed the ball off hundreds of thousands of times. And this one is where he somehow, and we may never get an answer, is if they lose, we'll never get an answer. How on earth Tom Brady could cut his thumb so badly it required stitches and a glove. This is a guy who for years has said, I'm not comfortable wearing a glove. Tom Brady shows up Sunday wearing a glove. That's a problem. That is going to be a problem. There's no overreaction here. That's a problem. According to uh, Mike Garofolo, he's been on this show before. There was blood everywhere. So we got stitches. We got blood. We got a glove. That That's, I, I believe that's significant. Now, the other aspect to this is, you know, with injuries, you'll hear leaks. Okay, it's a minor back injury. It's nothing major. He's going to wear this. There are no leaks coming out. It's been about 48 hours. There are no leaks as to what happened. We just got the name Rex Burkhead this morning. It took two days to find out who Tom Brady ran into to bust up his thumb. No leak signifies to me that this is pretty serious. Bill Belichick totally ignoring the media. Actually, one of his responses was, it's Friday, when asked about Brian Hoyer. He's like, it's Friday. Yeah, thanks for the update on the calendar. I know the Patriots are a vault, but when it comes to a player dinged up, you know, they'll they'll, they'll say something. Missing practice on Wednesday and then Thursday. And Thursday, folks, is the key, one of the key days for practice during the week. That's when the game plan is installed. You know, players will come out and say, hey, Thursday's a pivotal day. And, and the fact that Tom Brady could barely throw Friday and he's facing the number one pass defense in the NFL. And he supposedly can't take snaps under center. Everything's going to be out of shotgun for Tom Brady. This is adding up to to actual drama. And I think this is great for the NFL. Think about this for a second. If Tom Brady can only take snaps out of shotgun. Only. What are they going to do? Close game, fourth quarter. We going to hand the ball off and milk the clock. Are they going to bring in Brian Hoyer? And say, Brian, hey, hand the ball off. We just want to milk clock and, and control this one score lead. I, I I don't know. Nobody could know. Unless you're Bill Belichick in that building, knowing the severity of the injury. I, I don't think you can know. And the other aspect to this that's massive is when you look at the matchup. And I'm not trying to dig into X's and O's too deep here. But when you look at the Jaguars' strengths defensively, it is the pass defense. They are susceptible to the run. So coming in, I mean, you listen. I've never played a doubt in the NFL that I could tell you what the game plan was going to be given Bill Belichick's history and the Jaguars' defense. The plan here, let's hand the ball off to Deion Lewis, get him 25 carries, let's get Rex Burkett another 10, and let's run the ball to victory and we'll go to Minnesota and get to the Super Bowl. We don't want to test Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye. Again, Bouye, you know, who people want to scoff at because he gave up two TDs, two freak touchdowns to Antonio Brown. I don't know that you guys realize he was signed as a free agent and then did not give up a touchdown in the regular season. 16 games. Guys, lights out. And Jalen Ramsey on the other side may be the best cornerback in the NFL. 
So, you know, coming in, I didn't think Brady was going to throw much. What's he going to do now with this busted thumb? And now you got the handoffs. What if he's having flashbacks? Tom Brady, about to hand off at a pivotal moment, has a flashback, and he fumbles. Oh, the blood everywhere, the stitches. Uh, This isn't a radio host trying to make it interesting. I think the game's genuinely going to be interesting. Now, I will say this before I I wrap up here on on Patriots. Are we calling it Thumbgate? We are calling it Thumbgate. The producer has confirmed to me it's Thumbgate. Uh, There are two stats that you absolutely must know about this game, and they are the most important unequivocally. The Jaguars are 10-0 this season when Blake Bortles does not throw an interception. They're 2-6 and six when he does. So this is going to be another, what I believe is, safe game from Blake Bortles, at least in the first half. They are going to operate out of that playbook against the Bills. Leonard Fournette, here's an eight-man front, try to run. We're not losing the game with Blake Bortles in the first half. That can snowball. You guys have seen Blake Bortles. When he has one turnover... It quickly turns to two, turns to three. He's one of those guys who, when things go wrong, he starts jumping rope in his head, overthinking everything, and then it just compounds and it's a disaster. So essentially, he cannot throw an interception. Now, that's one important number. Bortles and the Jags, 10-0 this year when he does not throw a pick. The other one is huge for the Patriots because here's where the thumb ties in. The Patriots are 16-0 under Belichick in the playoffs. When they have a positive turnover differential. When Tom Brady doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't make mistakes, Patriots win. It's simple. This is football boiled down to the two easiest aspects of it. Don't turn the ball over and you win. But now we've got concern over Brady fumbling with the injured thumb and Brady throwing passes against a rabid, fast defense with this mysterious thumb injury. So, folks, the stage is set. The Jags have a chance. If you believe in Vegas and they knowing more than anybody else, the line plummeted from nine and a half early, like Tuesday, to seven. Now, you can get Jags plus seven now, not that you would when nine and a half was on the board, but somebody knows something out there. Line cratering. I don't think we'll see a six and a half. There's just no way. That's too low. But... Just remember this. I had the Jags, and I said it last week, on the money line and plus the points. And six years ago, a fellow by the name of Mark Sanchez was a nine and a half point underdog for the New York Jets, went into Foxborough and beat Tom Brady. They did not make mistakes. They rode their defense and their quarterback played it safe. If Blake Bortles can play it safe, not make mistakes, win with his legs. This guy's he's had two good running games in the playoffs. The Jaguars can pull this upset. It can happen. The Brady thumb injury is going to be significant. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. All right, coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I've got the NFL's worst Super Bowl nightmare for you. Oh, boy. NFL, turn down the volume. You don't want to hear that next. Oh, look at Iowa Sam coming through with a thumb song.
I, I think Sam agrees with me. He said the most disrespectful thing you can do is give somebody a thumbs down, right? Oh, it's it's really a potent and effective means of getting your message across. And it's not angry. It's just, hey, thumbs down. Well, people take it angrily. I yes. Think, I, I think I was crossing the street and someone just kind of drove up on me like they didn't really slow down. And, you know, pedestrians have rights when they're crossing the street. I gave the guy a thumbs down. He pulls off to the side of the road and he starts screaming out of his window. Like he wanted to kill me. Yeah, the thumbs it, down is because it's strong. underused. It's like you see the middle finger. Yeah, the, the middle finger is like no big deal, but the thumbs down is a big deal. That cuts deep. Hey, it does. real quick, guys. Um, I just want to say we're going to get back to the NFL in a second. But do you know how smart the NBA is? I just looked at the schedule, and this is the first Saturday since August where there's no football on a Saturday. You know, there's preseason on Saturday, then there's college football, then there's NFL playoffs. This is the first Saturday in forever that there's no football. What does the NBA do? Oh, hello. Over here, NBA, we've got LeBron versus Russell Westbrook today, and we've also got Steph Curry versus James Harden. Oh, okay. You have my interest. That's smart on the part of the NBA. That is friggin' genius. Now, you look at college basketball, and you guys know, longtime listeners of the show, know I am a college hoops hunk. I'm basically banned from talking about it on this show until March. But look at their schedule today. One top 25 matchup. It is on Fox, by the way, Seton Hall, Xavier, 2.30 Eastern. But the other matchups are like Florida, Kentucky's, eh. Texas, West Virginia has some potential. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's okay. But it's like college hoops, like get it together. Should, do I need to call Jay Billis and be like, Jay, can we can we do something about the scheduling? I mean, it's pretty bad. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, so I, I've there are four options for the Super Bowl right now. We're down to four, although many people would only say there's two because nobody's given the Jaguars a chance. However... I actually believe that there is a the worst potential Super Bowl of these four, whether it's for NBC, whether it's for fan interest, whether it's for juice uh, that's kind of unquantifiable, but basically two-week lead-in, and you're like, where's the storylines, where's the drama, where's the interesting personalities? Folks, I'm going to put this to you, the audience, and then, Rob, I need your answer. If the Super Bowl is Jacksonville versus Minnesota, who is the biggest star in that matchup? Who do the television cameras flock to? Who does the media go to for a quote, Jacksonville versus Minnesota? Sam, uh, you could start. Jacksonville, Minnesota. Who's the biggest star if that's the Super Bowl? Hmm. I, I'm telling you, this is a scary prospect for football fans the league between the Jags and the Vikings. Yeah, uh, I mean Leonard Fournette. I, I, would, I would agree with was that. a big deal in, at LSU, and you know a lot of people started to doubt his uh, NFL abilities. Kind of like in the middle of yeah. his big year. Now he's he's a stud. I mean, Sam Stefan Diggs could walk in this studio, and I'd just be like, "Oh, hey, what's up, man?" I wouldn't even know it was Stefan Diggs. Case Keenum could deliver us a pizza right now. And just, you know, with a Domino's outfit on. And you would have no idea it's Case Keenum. I- I'm telling you, if it's Jacksonville, Minnesota, the league's got a problem. They- 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 this is going to be very difficult. 
which obviously leads to potential conspiracy theories. Guys, are the refs going to even let Jacksonville have a shot to win? I mean, I got to ask that. I have to ask it because when you look at Jacksonville, Minnesota, what are the storylines? It's Minnesota hosts the Super Bowl first team to play there. Great. What else you got? Like, what does the rest of the country care about? Now, Philadelphia against Jacksonville also kind of is is rough. It, uh, you know, someone joked to me that if it was Philly versus Jacksonville, hey, that's a game we should play over in London. You know, that's like an October game in London. Nobody cares about Philadelphia versus, I mean, Nick Foles versus Blake Bortles. I mean, the city of Minnesota will be crestfallen. Uh NBC executives will be just devastated that there's no Tom Brady. Nick Foles versus Blake Blake Bortles by far is the worst Super Bowl matchup of quarterbacks in NFL history. No denying that. I mean, is there even an NBA equivalent? It would be like the Raptors versus the I the Timberwolves? I like that just that'll never happen in the NBA. At least not this year. Um, so obviously Minnesota, New England, I, I guess is what everybody's rooting for. Uh, re- Rob, I'm assuming you'd agree. Minnesota, the hometown story. You get Brady Belichick. Is this their last hurrah? Eighth Super Bowl together, blah, blah, blah. Everybody in the world against the Patriots. Well, to answer your first question from earlier, the biggest star in uh, Eagles Jags would be Justin Timberlake. Okay, so that's number one. I almost spit my coffee out. <laughs> I thought he was a Memphis guy. He is, but he's performing at halftime. Oh, whoops. Forgot about that. that. You can't forget about that. He's got an album dropping. You know, it's a big deal. Um, but as far as what you were asking Iowa Sam earlier, I think that if the Jags make the Super Bowl, depending, no matter who they play, Jalen Ramsey is going to be the biggest star of the Super Bowl. Because he runs his mouth. Because he, he has that Richard Sherman effect. Okay, because in in a, in a week where there's an over reporting and over analyst analysis of the game, you want guys to say something that, that you can you know you do have a day or two or a few hours okay. to talk about. But it took Sherman a couple years to build up to that. It took him one post game interview with Aaron Andrews. No, he was bigger that. before that. Nobody knew who he was before that. Uh, I th- I mean, well, we knew because we fans, we we right. work in sports. But remember, they beat the Patriots. In Seattle, and I'll never forget, after the game, Richard Sherman went up to Brady and was, like, talking trash to him. And there was, like, photos of it. And it was like, who is this guy? And that's when he blew up. And I think, like, the next year they made the Super Bowl. But uh, Jalen Ramsey, sure. I I actually believe the best Super Bowl matchup, Philadelphia-New England. You get the rematch of the Donovan McNabb vomit Super Bowl. You could play that for a week. Oh, last time the Eagles were here. Remember when McNabb vomited in the huddle, you know, and choked? Uh, you've got Legarrett Blunt getting payback against the Patriots. Remember, he was in the Super Bowl last year, fumbled in the first half, and then barely played the rest of the game. So there's a couple decent storylines there. I-, I-, I would say, hmm, I actually think Philly New England is better. You get the number one defense in in Philadelphia against the Patriots, and then the worst for my money would be. Jacksonville, Minnesota, just because the star power is is just, there's just no stars. And, and that's an issue with football, guys. This is a year where Odell Beckham was hurt, J.J. Watt, Andrew Luck, like on and on, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. This was just a down year. 
But I do want to leave you with a positive NFL thought uh, as we transition here to the NBA in a sec. Uh, the more and more I talk to people and start looking at the names, NFL free agency is going to be bananas. Because here's a stat. Six of the ten playoff, uh, I'm sorry, six of the ten biggest spenders in the offseason last year in free agency made the playoffs. The salary cap has ticked up. In the NBA, the salary cap shot up, and everybody spent their money like drunken sailors. But in the NFL, the cap has slowly ticked up, and everybody's starting to see more cash. Listen, Jacksonville went bananas in free agency last year. I just want to get this in about a month ahead so you keep you guys ahead of the curve because we're in this together. And I'm telling you, NFL free agency is going to be very interesting. Like, you're going to see teams from the bottom go way up. And we saw Jacksonville make the leap. The team to watch, keep an eye on the Cleveland Browns. I told you, uh, what, maybe a month ago, they got a shot to get to 500 next year. I firmly believe that. We'll get to that later. But coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio, LeBron James, he's a genius. I'll tell you why next. But first, let's go to Deb Carson for the latest in sports. Well, Jason, you mentioned, of course, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady officially listed as questionable for Sunday's AFC Championship game against the Jaguars. Brady has never lost to the Jags, who are 1-10 all-time against the Patriots. Vikings have filed a trademark the phrases Minneapolis Miracle and Minnesota Miracle, referring to last Sunday's 61-yard touchdown that resulted in the win over the Saints and earned them a trip to tomorrow's NFC championship game. College Hoops ninth-ranked Michigan State dumped Indiana 85-57 last night. Sparty improves to 17-3 on the season. Have some noon Eastern College Hoops tipping among the games. Top-ranked Villanova at UConn and for Madison Square Garden 22nd-ranked Ohio State taking on Minnesota. Also have early NBA today 7, uh, 12.30 Eastern tip from Cleveland. Thunder Cavaliers go at it. Last night Kyle Lowry led the Raptors with 24. They edged the Spurs 86-83. And the Lakers got 33 from Jordan Clarkson. They overcome horrible shooting from the stripe. They outpaced Indiana 99-86. And great news, there is a way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com. And in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And, of course, we are obligated to call it down under. But the Australian Open has wrapped for the day. Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic advanced to the fourth round, as did women's top-ranked Simona Halep, who survived a marathon match against American Lauren Davis. Thank you, Deb. You bet. Back here on The Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre. Kind of uh, excited here on a Saturday out here in L.A. I'm coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. You know, it, it is a melancholy feeling when the NFL has three games left. I'm not counting the Pro Bowl in that. But no football for like six months. Now, I did just tell you free agency is going to be popping in the NFL. And, and this NFL draft is loaded. Um, also, don't believe a darn word you're hearing from these uh, hot take artists on their NFL mock drafts now n- putting Josh Allen at the top. Get to get that. <laughs> I saw Baker Mayfield, number one in it. Don't buy any of that garbage. But what's going to get you through the next six months is going to be LeBron James. Because what's happening in Cleveland, I, I, I cannot be the only one just absolutely stoked beyond belief. For the Cleveland Cavaliers struggles. I, I can't. And it's because LeBron is playing this so perfectly. I mean, this is 
this is genius level stuff from LeBron James. Think about this for a second. All their problems begin and end with LeBron. He knows that. He don't care. He doesn't give a rat's behind that the Cleveland Cavaliers want him to commit. No, I'm I'm not doing it. And he has the power to do that. When you go to the finals seven years in a row, you can do anything you damn well please. He knows that the Cavs are in the worst spot possible. And, and, and you guys, I can argue that LeBron is partially responsible for getting them there. Let me just briefly go on a tangent. So LeBron is the one that had them trade for Mozgov, sign Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith. LeBron helped all those guys get those deals, right? It worked. They got a title. Now I know, I know. They lucked into the title when Draymond got suspended, yada, yada, yada. But the reality is... What LeBron said to do worked. He said he was going back to bring Cleveland a title. He said, give me this person, give me that person. And it worked. Now he was working with a different GM at the time. But what changed everything was Kevin Durant's decision. Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors. Instantly, the league is flipped on its head. And nobody can touch these guys. We know that. But the league increasingly moved to three-pointers. And LeBron's sitting here like, well, hey, I helped build a championship contender, um, but uh, I didn't see this coming. And now you got the Rockets jacking 53s a game, and the Cavs aren't built for that. LeBron knows that. Now, nobody's coming down hard on LeBron about this yet because there's so much other nonsense swirling. Kyrie Irving's smart enough that he saw. He could read those tea leaves. He said, geez, we got blitzed in the finals? LeBron's going to leave? I... Let me beat the rush. And Kyrie Irving forced his way out. And now what are the Cavs stuck with? I mean, let's be honest. They are not a top three team in the NBA. They're not. That's a fact. I don't buy the Rockets at all, but they're a better team than the Cavs right now. If Kawhi comes back healthy, and that's a big if, apparently. Spurs, we know they're better. I could argue my Timberwolves. You know, I've been on the bandwagon all year. Or I got in early. Go look. But uh, at the radio archives, I told you these guys are going to be good. And and I believe the Celtics are better right now than the Cavs. So LeBron's stuck on this team. And, and I know you're sitting there in your radio, in your car, on the, listening to the radio. Well, Jason, if LeBron is stuck, how is he a genius? Well, all the attention is on the Cavs front office. What are you guys going to do? Is Dan Gilbert and and the rookie GM Kobe Altman, uh, are you guys going to trade that Nets pick? Or what's going on here? And nobody is blaming LeBron. He's a genius. Uh, Honestly, it it is incredible how LeBron has totally escaped scrutiny for this. And this is a disaster. There's no way around it. This is an utter debacle. Because you've got LeBron facing free agency. You've got an old roster, the oldest roster in the NBA. And it's all on Cleveland. What are you guys going to do? That's why when they asked me on uh, on, on FS1 this week, are, are, are you worried? Or, or do you think LeBron is worried about the Cavs? I said, no, LeBron's not worried. What does he care? I'm a free agent. I'm going to have people throwing everything at me to come to their team. I could win the MVP award. What is LeBron worried about? He's not worried about anything. Win or lose, I'm in high demand. I'm the second greatest player in NBA history. What what am I worried about? 
Do am I worried that we've lost seven of eight to the Warriors? No, we're not beating the Warriors. LeBron knows this. Now I do believe on some level he's scared, not worried, but scared that he's never going to win another title. And just as Jordan was blocked by the Pistons and the Celtics and the Lakers for years, I think LeBron knows, hey, I'm 33. I'm kind of blocked for the next three years. There's just no way I can pull this off. I think LeBron is scared, but he's not worried. Does that make sense to you, Sam? Rob, LeBron not worried, but scared. I, I could see how you would come to that yeah, conclusion. That's not a convincing. I mean, um, I, I personally believe there's a huge difference between being worried and scared. There is or isn't. There is not. I do believe there and is. So you think that there is. So I guess that's where the distinction comes from. But um, your general point about LeBron being a genius in this situation at first, when uh, I saw you kind of mention on FS1, I was like, I don't know if I agree with it. It's a 30 second clip. Hearing you lay it out the way you just did right now, you kind of made me change my tune. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's genius level stuff from LeBron. He yep. has escaped all scrutiny. Hey, LeBron, uh, Rob, how has nobody called him out on this? And I like LeBron. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing LeBron. Kyrie Irving was ticked off. He demanded a trade. All LeBron has to say is, hey, Kyrie, Kyrie, settle down. Let's work together. Let's figure this out. And you keep a top 10 player in the NBA. Okay, we're going to trade him. What? 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 How does LeBron not get heat for that? Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Well timed there. I got so much. Listen, and, and okay, so the next logical question. Okay, Jason, LeBron's leaving. He's going to have everybody coming after him. Because the fact of the matter is the Cleveland Cavaliers have no shot. None. Against. The Warriors, I think it's a toss-up in the in the East, truthfully. And I don't see how they could keep him. I mean, if, if you want to call in with your scenario, and I know my guy Chris Boussard, I don't know if he's listening this early. I mean, he he keeps saying, oh, yeah, they'll trade for Paul George. Bro, there's, there's no way that they're going to trade for Paul George. And this idea that they're going to get Boogie Cousins, and that's going to matter. Guys, you think Boogie Cousins plays a lick of defense? Their problem is defense. They're 28th in the league in defensive efficiency. You can't go to the Warriors and say, oh, we're going to outscore and outshoot you guys. You're looking at the best shooting team in NBA history. Curry, Clay, Durant. You, you cannot outscore them. Maybe you get lucky like you did last year with one game where you hit 26 threes. Or 27, whatever the number was. That ain't happening again. That's why I don't buy the Rockets. I, there's just no way... That you can outscore. So what do you do? You have to play defense. And no, DeAndre Jordan is not the answer. You think DeAndre Jordan's chasing Durant and Clay and, and Curry on the perimeter? No. What you need, and here's the answer to that question, you need to be you need to be malleable on the perimeter where you can switch on anybody. Hey, uh, Curry and uh, Durant are, are, are pick and rolling. Well, I, I got to have two guys who I can switch. Clay and Draymond. You need to be, and who has that? There is one team I keep coming back to that can switch, that is very versatile. The LA Lakers. Lonzo Ball, six foot six. Brandon Ingram, six foot eight or nine. Kyle Kuzma, six foot nine. You add LeBron and Paul George, you now have five guys, six six to six nine who can guard all five positions 
and can hang defensively with the Warriors. Now, I know LeBron's not the best defender in the league. He don't have to be. He just has to be able to switch and worry about the other guys being able to switch on their guys. Kyle Kuzma's got some defensive issues. Uh, Just a quick news flash here. Lonzo Ball, very good defender. Reads the passing lanes, long arms, smart. He gets it defensively. Brandon Ingram is super long. I do believe LeBron and Paul George go to the Lakers, and we'll see what they put around them. Obviously, you need more than that. But that closing five can hang with the Warriors. Can they beat them? I don't know. But the Cleveland Cavs sure as hell ain't beating them. So uh, I just I love what's happening with LeBron. And uh, shoot, I don't have the update here, but the Nets won last night. So I don't know what that does to the Nets pick, which becomes the Cavs pick. But I know four of their next five are on the road. They've been in a bit of a funk recently. They just got D'Angelo Russell back. But here's the funny thing. If, and Rob, I'll close on this. If the Nets pick is number three in the draft on February 6th, two days before the, the trade deadline, there is no way the Cavs are giving that up. If it's the number three pick in the draft, there's just no way that until LeBron says, LeBron, commit, lock in, sign. No, he's not doing that. It would behoove him to do that. And if that pick is number three, any smart owner would say, ain't no way. I'm g- <laughs> No way I'm giving up. It could be our future. It could be Marvin Bagley. It could be the kid, the Euro Don- Uh I just busted his name up, but he's really good. Uh, and DeAndre Ayton. Keep an eye on that kid at Arizona. 7-1 man-child. And he is not DeAndre uh, Jordan man-child. This guy can make some threes. He can defend on the perimeter. I've watched too much college hoops this season. I do believe DeAndre Ayton could be the number one overall pick. So the Cavs would be fools to trade it away in hopes of keeping LeBron. All right, coming up next here on The Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. They're the two biggest names in sports, Tom Brady and LeBron James. And I've got something for you on them that you've never heard before. That's next. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. That was fun. I Here's the problem, folks. LeBron is so interesting to me. I feel I could do two hours on LeBron every day. Now, I know that our uh, big boss here who just texted me uh, when I made fun of his Timberwolves, my Timberwolves, um, I, they won't let me do two hours on LeBron. Uh, an hour they'd be cool with, but I know you, the audience, wants more than that, and I'm capable of more. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So I came up with an interesting uh, comparison. And I'm going to need Rob and Sam to listen closely because I need your answers. I'm going to wait to offer mine. So LeBron James has been to the NBA Finals seven straight years. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are playing in their seventh straight AFC title game. What is the more impressive feat? LeBron getting to seven seven straight NBA finals, something Michael Jordan did not do. Or Tom Brady and Bill Belichick getting to seven straight conference championship games. Mull it over for a little bit. I've got a couple stats uh, to hit you with. And, 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 And this is difficult. And if you're listening... A couple things you need to know. If the Patriots win their division, 
and they're a top two seed, all they've got to do is win one playoff game to get to the conference championship. As it happened this year, they beat Marcus Mariota. LeBron is doing it in the super team era. Now, you could counter that with, well, wait a sec, Jason. What super teams are in the East? Well, the Celtics were there. Again, seven straight finals. The Celtics were a super team. Um, And listen, if you want to say, hey, the East has been down, LeBron's cakewalking in the finals, okay, that's fair. The AFC East has been a joke for 20 years, all right? As a Jets fan, uh, I, I believe there's been, like, since Belichick got there, there's been maybe two other AFC East winners. One was the year Brady got hurt, and then, um, shucks, I'm spacing. It was either the Jets or the Dolphins the other year. Um, all right, who wants to go first? This isn't easy. More impressive. LeBron, seven straight finals. Brady and Belichick, seven straight conference championship game appearances. I'm going to say just by a hair, I'm going to say LeBron James going to the finals. Good answer. Just, I mean, because it's like one man guarantees you to get to the finals, then you know, I mean, that's just, that's kind of mind-boggling. But so is so is the Patriots' feet. Patriots' feet is mind-boggling. I mean, they're right there, 1A yeah. and 1B, in my opinion. LeBron and the Pats. Yeah, I see Rob shaking his head as he gets ready to offer an answer. It's not even close. It's Tom Brady. What? It's not, <laughs> not even, even close. close. I can't no. wait to hear this. The NFL is all about parody. You never you you go from worst to first in the NFL more often than in any other professional sports league. That's number one. And the fact is, Tom Brady had to go against the likes of a pre neck injury Peyton Manning. He had to go against Big Ben. Uh, you know, say what you want. Philip Rivers is a decent quarterback. Has been around for this entire time, and for whatever reason, and within a completely different cast of characters, every two or three years, Tom Brady is right there in the final four every season. LeBron James, on the other hand, didn't start this magical run until he started teaming up with the two other top fifteen players. Hmm. In Miami, he had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Went over to Cleveland, got the younger version with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, who it turns out maybe Kevin Love's not as good as we thought he was at, in the before. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the NBA, you only need two guys to really do a hell of a lot of damage. And LeBron seems to always have at least three. All right, so you 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 were pumping up the AFC in your defense of yes. Belichick and Brady. I will give you the quarterbacks they beat in the playoffs to get to the conference championship game. This year... Marcus Mariota. Last year, Brock Osweiler. Two years ago, Alex Smith. Three years ago, Joe Flacco. Four years ago, Andrew Luck. Five years ago, whoever the bum is that was quarterbacking the Texans. And then the year before that was Tim Tebow. So when you kind of look closely, now again, the counter is, well, Jason, who LeBron beat in the playoffs? You know, the Hawks. And the Raptor, and that's that's why this is so difficult. I just feel like Tom, my my answer, Tom Brady and Belichick are dominant. LeBron is dominant, but I just feel I give the slight edge to LeBron because you've got to win twelve games to get to the NBA Finals. Brady's just got to win one, obviously in the regular season. All right, coming up next here on the Big Lead Fox Sports Radio. Uh, We're going to talk about the NFL playoffs and NFL free agency with one of my buddies. It's going to be hot. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two here on the big lead, 
Fox Sports Radio. I am your host, Jason McIntyre. Thank you for listening wherever you are. I'm coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. We're talking about thumbs. Thumbs today, people. That is the word of the day, the digit of the day. Because Tom Brady's thumb is injured. He had stitches. He banged it into Rex Burkhead. And conference championship weekend, which actually had no storylines coming in. Let's be honest, folks. Vikings-Eagles does not really move the needle. We now have what I'm being told is called thumbgate. I do not like afflicting gate to anything. Because I think it sounds cheesy and played out and everybody on TV, radio, online saying gate, something gate. So I just like to call it a thumb injury. But a lot of naysayers out there are saying, hey, wait a minute. This is just subterfuge. This is the Patriots doing what the Patriots do. Faking an injury so Tom Brady can come out a hero Throw four TD passes and carry the Patriots to victory. Then in the post game, you'll show everybody his stitches and the blood. This will be another Pedro Martinez moment with the bloody sock. Oh, jeez. But, 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 sorry. You know I love me a good conspiracy theory. But guys, I just can't buy this one. I don't think you're going to hold out your 40-year-old quarterback from practice on Wednesday and then practice on Thursday and then have Tom Brady show up wearing two gloves, allegedly, to a press conference indoors. Gloves! Tom Brady won't wear gloves on the field, but he's going to wear two gloves on one hand to a press to meet the media? Is this essentially Tom Brady saying, oh, I, in case I start bleeding, or uh, people will compare photos of my thumb to my glove thumb? And then wait a sec. How serious is it? Can he grip a football? Can he grip the microphone? Like, that's where we're going, and it's gotten a little silly. Let's be honest. I think it's somewhere between end of the world, Tom Brady needs his thumb amputated, and subterfuge. I think there is a happy middle ground, and I do believe it's going to have an impact on the game. You don't go up against the number one pass defense in the league, and a hard-hitting Jags defense with a busted thumb and just expect to dominate. Now, before we get to our guests, let me add one point. And I've this is I have loved the Jags since the opening weekend of the NFL season when they faced the Houston Texans and in one they were one of the hardest hitting teams I've seen all season. And this was in week 1. I believe they knocked four Texans out of the game, gave four concussions to Houston Texans. This is a rabid, fast, angry defense and folks, for the amount of trash they talk and for the amount of late 15-yard penalties that they get, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw some, uh, should we say, chicanery at the bottom of a pile or anytime anyone got near Tom Brady. Now, to join us and help us decipher what it all means is Kevin Clark from The Ringer. He's an NFL columnist. I've known him since back in his days at the Wall Street Journal. Kevin, good morning. Thank you for joining me. How, how are you out here in L.A.? Well, I'm I'm 24 hours removed from being at the infamous, now infamous Tom Brady thumb press conference. My life will never be the same. Wow! Wait, so so how was that? I, I got to ask. Like two gloves on one hand, right? Is that accurate? Two gloves on Brady's so, hand? 
Yeah, so he, he essentially, yes, and it, well, there was a wrap under his, under his, uh, his, his glove, and essentially he had canceled availability on Wednesday and Thursday, and every day it had been canceled just before it was supposed to happen. Um, we didn't even know there was an injury on Wednesday until the Patriots announced he would not be speaking that day. So there was a real weird anticipation. I mean, Jason, you know this. There's never any anticipation for Brady talking unless it's you know around Deflategate that one time because Brady never says anything. And so to see how he would react this time, uh, I think a lot of people were waiting for that. And the answer was he didn't handle it all that well. Um, you know, he's the master at not saying anything, and he couldn't even not say anything effectively. Um, he kind of lost his patience and, and, and kind of bailed a little bit, um, which I think a lot of the beats were not expecting at all, and a lot of them said to me that was very, very weird. So we're talking with Kevin Clark of The Ringer. Kevin, I, I do have to ask you this. When when you wrote up your uh, you know your piece from being at the press conference, you said Brady spoke to the media like like sixteen year old you spoke to your parents. <laughs> short, I, I love that short and kind of like uh, defensive and not giving up anything. Uh, was Brady doing this behind a smile? Did you detect that he was more no. annoyed than anything? I think he was annoyed at the situation. Um, this is one of the best and greatest competitors we've seen in all of our years watching sports, Jason. I mean, this guy is a legendary, uh, you know, stories of his practice habits are legendary. And the idea that he would skip practice on Thursday for the AFC Championship game, which we know was a crucial third down day from what Dante Stallworth said, mm-hmm. um, the idea he would be limited on Friday, he's frustrated at the situation. And so he doesn't want to give out anything for the Jaguars' defense to, to know where to hit and what to do. Um, but at the, at the same time, I mean, I think the, a lot of the frustration was he just didn't want to talk about it because it upset him. Um, whenever it was the subject was broached, are you going to play on Sunday? He said, we're not going to talk about it. And uh, if it was more forward-looking, he said, we'll see. That's all he said huh. um, for, I think, the first five questions. Yeah. So I think we can d- say this is not some big, huge plan uh, on, on the part of Belichick and Brady to throw off the Jaguars, right? There, there's something here no. for sure. Yeah, I mean, how significant it is remains to be seen. Uh, Ian Rappaport, and, and now this seems to be the consensus report, is that um, there was there's, there was blood gushing when it happened. There's stitches on the hand. And at the same time, he's been effectively throwing the ball, or at least he was Friday. And so it just gets down to how hurt can Brady be and still be better than Brian Hoyer. And the answer <laughs> is extremely hurt. Um, and so I don't, I don't think it's going to be – kind of game-altering, but look, when you're playing Jacksonville, it's always going to be a close game because you're not going to put up a lot of points, I, I don't think, in the air. And so, uh, you know, one play here or there determines this game, and if you have a bum thumb, that that stuff shows up, man. Kevin, would you agree that the strategy for this game coming in was going to be Deion Lewis, 25 carries, a lot of running from the Patriots to take advantage of maybe that soft middle of the Jacksonville defense? And if you do agree... I got to say, if Brady's handed the ball off hundreds of thousands of times in his life, and then four days before the game, he busts his finger open, is there not yeah, some yeah. concern? Maybe, maybe there'll be some uh, you know, lingering carryover of that. Uh, I don't think so. I think Brady can, can block that out. I think that the middle of the field is where this game is going to take place. Um, Rob Gronkowski is going to be able to dominate the the Jaguar secondary that has struggled with tight ends. You don't want to throw on the outside. Um, Antonio Brown beat A.J. Boye, but guess what? The Patriots don't have Antonio Brown. 
And, and so there's no lesson to be learned from that particular game. Okay. So for me, it's Rob Gronkowski, it's Deion Lewis. That's it. That's it over and over again. Maybe you pass to some of the backs out of the backfield, but even then, those linebackers are real fast. Uh, and they, they, can, they can keep up with those guys. And so it's going to be a lot of middle-of-the-field stuff. It's going to be a lot of gronk. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating um, a heavy dose of kind of smash-mouth football, and I think, I, I think it'll be close to people think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, so you, you're buying that the line has gone down a little bit. It dropped from 9.5 to 7 this week. We're talking with Kevin Clark of The Ringer here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I guess quick word on Vikings, Eagles, do you care? What's your interest level? Uh, you know, all that fun stuff. And and will Case Keenum or Nick Foles be the worst quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl? Case Keenum will not be. Oh, I, think Case Keenum, I think Case Keenum is at least decent, and I think that he actually – I think in five years, Case Keenum will be starting somewhere, um, even if it's as a last resort. I think he'll be in the league. I think Nick Foles, he just might be. I think Foles, I think that Keenum is better than Trent Dilfer, um, if that makes sense. I think that Keenum, we would, I think we're going to look back on Keenum and put him in sort of the Brad Johnson category. Oh, um, okay. Foles, Foles, yeah, he might be, and but that's such an extenuating circumstance with the fact that you know he's only been the quarterback for for six weeks. And that, that's some some Jeff Hostetler stuff, um, and so I think generally I care about this game. I think that the roster construction of the two teams really fascinates me because I, I think the big litmus test here, and we're going to see it also in the AFC game, is does how much does a quarterback matter in twenty eighteen? Um, can you? build a team where the quarterback doesn't matter. And that's why I'm intrigued with the fact that the Patriots are still here um, because we get to see that close up. But yeah, the Patriots will probably win on Sunday, and then one of these two teams will play. Um, one of the, the Vikings or Eagles will play Brady in the Super Bowl, and we'll get sort of a, a close-up look at how much a quarterback matters in 2018 because those teams have everything but the quarterback and the Patriots have just the quarterback. And that's what I think is really fascinating about the roster construction. Uh, We're talking with Kevin Clark of the Ringer. All right, so let's pivot to free agency based on what you had just said. I mean, I think some of that has to do with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. We saw Deshaun Watson, you know, uh, Dak Prescott lost his left tackle as running back earlier this season. So some of that. But you wrote about free agency, and I believe the free agency is going to be incredible this year. I mean, so many big names, but most importantly, the cap keeps inching up. And as you wrote, uh, teams that spent made the playoffs, and a lot of them spent on defense like Jacksonville. Do you think there are a lot of move-the-needle players that can do the same in free agency this year? Um, You know, it's it's hard to say. Um, I think the Kirk Cousins contract is going to be an interesting one because the cap has uh, risen $10 million every year for the past six years. Um, we're getting to a point, Les Need made the comment in my story that he does remember the last time he had to cut a guy for financial reasons. Um, it's almost like it's monopoly money in that sense. Uh, the cap is just so huge and the rookie contracts are so low. And by the way, superstars are so undervalued that you know they don't even get their share of the pie. So it's not like you're capped out all the time. It's not like the NBA where you're, you're doing different maneuvers to, to figure stuff out. And so I think Cousins will determine everything. Does a team go out and go crazy and give Kirk Cousins $30 million a year just because they can afford it? I don't know. That's going to determine a lot of the quarterback market. That's going to determine a lot of the superstar market. Um, you know, you, I think you also have to look at what happens with a guy like Odell Beckham. Does he re-up with the Giants in the offseason or the spring? 
and reset the market. Because at some point, Jason, a superstar has to demand their worth. And that's one of the reasons the salary cap sort of inefficiency exists, is that Antonio Brown will get slight, excuse me, uh, Odell Beckham will get slightly more than Antonio Brown. And then Mike Evans uh, the next year will get slightly more than Odell Beckham. And it just becomes this incremental thing while the salary cap keeps rising $10 million a year. At some point, a superstar is going to reset the market and say, I want that 10 million, the entire $10 million a year. I'm taking $25 million at a non-quarterback position. Well, Okay, Kevin, I'll get you out of here with this. Is Le'Veon Bell that guy? He has talked about money all year. I think he held yeah. out briefly. And then, and then we read this story about he missed the walkthrough. He showed up with five minutes left the day before the Jags game. <laughs> as if to prove a point, Mike Tomlin didn't care. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's from Ohio, so the Browns have a lot of money. Maybe they back up the Brinks. Uh, the Detroit yeah. Lions haven't had a running back since Barry Sanders. He went to, uh, Le'Veon Bell went to college at Michigan State, so maybe they're in play. Well, do you think Le'Veon Bell is that guy who, who tests free agency and says, I'm out of here? So at running back, it's hard to commit five, six years. No one's going to do that. What I think is possible, Jason, is he gets out into the market and someone gives him sort of a market-resetting two-year deal. Maybe, you know, he's demanded 15 on average. Maybe he gets something like 18 to 20 over two years uh, per per year, per year, something like that. I mean, I'm I'm just saying there's so much money out there. If you're the Cleveland Browns and you wanted to ruin the life of the Pittsburgh Steelers, what better way would there be than spending all of that cap space? Listen, man, the Niners, the Browns, uh, the Jets, they're going to have over $100 million in cap space. Joe Banner said there's almost every year a billion dollars, a billion with a B in cap space, available in the NFL. Why can't a team say screw it and give Le'Veon Bell 15 to $18 million, or even if there's a bidding war, $20 million uh, in, in, in a two-year deal, two years, 40, you know, second year partially guaranteed? The, the most interesting thing you just said was two years for Le'Veon. You know what that reminds me of? These shorter NBA contracts. Yeah. And, and NBA's been helped immensely by their offseason and stars moving I think that would be great for the NFL. Stars kept moving around. Kirk Cousins, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Kevin Kevin Clark. Great stuff uh, from the Ringer. Go check out his his work. He writes interesting, smart, forward thinking pieces. Kevin, I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jason. Uh, that was Kevin Clark. Hey, seriously, you got to read his piece on free agency. It is really going to get exciting in the NFL this year. Uh, and Kevin Clark's always all over it. All right, coming up next, we're going back to the NBA briefly. Uh, if I'm the Cavs front office, do I capitulate and give the star what he wants? I'll give you the right answer next on Fox Sports Radio. Cleveland! Great NBA slate today. Westbrook versus LeBron, Curry versus Harden. The NBA does it right. This is the first Saturday since August where there's no NFL. And you've got two awesome NBA matchups. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, so here is... The only hard part for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Rob and I were discussing this uh, during the break. You've got the oldest roster in the NBA. 
when Ty Lue looks at his bench in Cleveland. Oh, how can we help LeBron out there? Okay, let's go to Wade. Wade's 36. Let's go to Corver. Cor- Corver. Kyle Corver. He's 36 years old. They're the oldest oldest roster in the NBA. J.R. Smith, I don't know what's wrong with J.R. Smith. He, he just, no confidence. Looks like he's not meshing well with Isaiah Thomas. And every time you look, they're getting run over by somebody. Defensively. The Orlando Magic ran a layup line on him in the second half this week. And like two weeks ago, they dropped 127 on the Cavs. There's just no defense, no urgency. And and the only thing that anybody wants to talk about is, well, you got to trade that pick. I say you can't. LeBron won't commit. If LeBron won't commit, you can't trade the pick. Right? It's as simple as that. And then Rob, the producer here, had a great point. Well, Jason, if you package that pick with Thompson and J.R. Smith, and you go to the Clippers, and you get DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams, not only do you have a rim protector that helps and a scoring machine in Lou Williams that helps, but at the end of the season, Lou Williams, free agent, DeAndre can opt out. And you unloaded Tristan and JR, right? They're, they're, they have toxic contracts. They're on the books for several more years. So now you're like, okay, well, wait a sec. Maybe LeBron would stay. He's got Kevin Love. Isaiah Thomas is a free agent. We don't know if he's going to come back. And you got something to work with. But it, that doesn't totally clear things up. And I and, and Rob almost had me sold. And then I looked. I'm like, well, wait a sec. You still have Jay Crowder. You still have Corver. Is Iman Shumpert opting out? So the 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 roster isn't the, the entire cap situation isn't cleaned up. It's improved if you do that deal. But then the problem is. How do you get somebody to Cleveland as a free agent? Paul George, where do you want to go? You want to go to Cleveland with LeBron and Kevin Love? Or you want to go home to L.A.? To the Lakers. Come on. So, Rob, not only that aspect of getting somebody to Cleveland to join LeBron, easy to get somebody to South Beach. That's no problem. But then the question becomes, all right, well, if you do that, great. You clean up the cap situation. What is your deal with Building for the future if LeBron walks away. You've got Kevin Love, Jay Crowder. I guess you keep Isaiah. And you don't have your pick, which could be a top five pick, could be top three. There is no easy answer. I guarantee you if you went around the NBA and polled all the executives, what do you do? Do you trade the pick? Do you keep it? You might get a 15-15 split. I mean, Rob, you would agree, right? There's no right answer here. I think the only right answer is Dan Gilbert needs to get it out into the public. We can't do anything until we know what LeBron's doing. Put the ball in LeBron's court because LeBron's holding serve right now. Everybody's saying, well, you got to keep LeBron. You got to keep LeBron. Let me know if you're staying and then we'll make a deal. What happens if Gilbert does that? What's the move on LeBron's part? Huh? Then you've got LeBron backed into a corner. You know these elite superstars, they get backed into a corner. They don't like it. LeBron coming out swinging? Rob, you uh, I look like I made you think. I, uh, Nick, is, Nick is a little worried because he knows that we know LeBron's coming to the Lakers. But I, 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 I just... Stop. Stop with that. I, I don't... 
I don't know what LeBron's move is if Dan Gilbert comes out and says that. We can't make a decision on a trade because we don't know what LeBron's doing. That would be my move if I'm Dan Gilbert, billionaire owner of the Cavs. What's your move, Rob? I'll tell you what. You said there's no right answer to this one. The more we dive into the numbers, which we did during the commercial, I'm doing it now here. The right answer is you do not trade that pick under any circumstance. Even if LeBron says, if you trade it, I will stay. Because if you trade it, the maximum you're getting, like you mentioned, is what? DeAndre Jordan and Lou Lou Williams. Williams. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, by the way, that the Clippers do that. That team is not good enough to beat Golden State, even if you had those two guys. Right. So, in your best-case scenario where you decide you're going to trade the pick to appease LeBron, you're going to get these veteran guys in there, number one, you still don't beat the Golden State Warriors. Number two, you lose your only asset going forward with the Cavaliers. Because if you make that trade and you decide you don't want to keep DeAndre Jordan, you don't want to keep Lou Williams, you decide what you're going to do with Isaiah Thomas, whatever. If even if you let all those guys go, you have with LeBron, you have $85 million already set aside for next season. So you can't sign anybody anyways. Exactly. So you're 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 in a, a terrible position right now with that GM LeBron and the some of the moves that he's but made. But do do you back my move of saying, "Hey, Dan Gilbert come out and say we can't, we're not making any decisions until we know what LeBron's doing." For or PR, is that too aggressive? For PR purposes, I could see why that would help out. But if you really think you have a chance to keep LeBron, you doing that is going to hurt any chance. You think it would probably hurt. I I largely agree. Now, we've had a caller waiting. He calls almost every week when we bring up LeBron just because he gets so fired up. Tony in Vancouver. Tony, uh, you know, the floor is yours. We'll give you you a a minute here to ramble. Go for it. Jody, my brother, I know you're a big LeBron honk, okay? (laughs) But this guy is, is, is bigger. The media makes him bigger than he is, okay? I'm going to tell you why. Veterans are not flocking to play with LeBron no more. George didn't go there. Butler didn't go there. And they were rumored heavily to join LeBron. Kyrie, who practices with those two guys in Los Angeles, left. Because they don't want to be the media whipping boy when LeBron (laughs) don't win. Okay? When LeBron wins, the the media goes, it's a great LeBron. Will them to victory. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. But when they lose... No, well, he can't do it by himself. You know, he, he can't. He can't. He can't win by himself. It's the other guys that's the problem. So, uh, that's I interesting, mean, Tony. That's an interesting argument. Thanks for the call. You're right. When things don't go well with LeBron, nobody's blaming LeBron. It's the coach, David Blatt. Obviously, it is Kyrie Irving. He doesn't have enough assists. He doesn't play any defense. It's Kevin Love. The finger never gets pointed at LeBron, and it's tough to point the finger at LeBron. He's great. Um. If I'm the Cavs, I listen, you've just got to be prepared for life without LeBron. That's what you've got to be ready for. Maybe he stays. I don't see it happening. But it's not the end of the world. Remember, LeBron's 33. He's got maybe three good years left. No player in NBA history has gone 15 years without an injury like LeBron. This is, this is unforeseen uh, stuff. This is territory that has not been covered. So he goes down. Yeah. Okay, we didn't pay him thirty-five mil. We're moving on with Marvin Bagley or hey, hey, Trey Young, the Oklahoma kid. Do you uh, listen? You get Trey Young. He's gonna put some fannies in the stands. That kid is is fun to watch. The young kids love him. He's a social media sensation. Listen, Trey Young is fun to watch. If I'm the Cavs, I roll the dice with the draft pick. All right, coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Yes, we're going back to Tom Brady's thumb because you can't get enough of it. 
And uh, to dive into it deep, we're bringing on Mr. Albert Breer, getting into Thumbgate. And uh, also, Albert said some interesting stuff about Blake Bortles this week. You can't, you got to hear that. It's coming up next. But first, let's go to Deb Carson for the latest in sports. Well, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady is officially listed as questionable for Sunday's AFC Championship game against the Jaguars. Brady has never lost to Jacksonville. That is not lost on Doug Marone, coach of the Jaguars, who says he's preparing as if Brady will be 100%. I'm sure he could probably throw left-handed if he had a problem with his right hand, you know. And throw it just as well, and I I mean that. And the NFL says the Raiders did follow the Rooney rule when they hired their new coach, John Gruden. Vikings have filed to trademark the phrases Minneapolis Miracle and Minnesota Miracle, referring to last Sunday's 61-yard touchdown that resulted in the win over the Saints that earned them a trip to tomorrow's NFC championship game. The Air Force Academy postponed all of its imminent athletic events because of the government's overnight shutdown. Congress couldn't come to terms on a budget by the midnight Eastern deadline, so Air Force Forces men's and women's basketball games against Fresno State set for today are off. Neither the Army nor the Navy has announced how it will handle the situation. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for the next car you buy. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And of course, the NBA trade deadline coming up February 8th. Jason, the uh, New York Times says the Cavaliers are working on separate deals trying to acquire Clippers center DeAndre Jordan and Kings guard George Hill. Clippers have already ruled out Jordan for today's game against the Jazz because of his sprained ankle. George Hill. Wow. Thank you, Deb. You bet. George Hill. (laughs) Sorry for laughing, Cleveland. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, basically, it's the Tom Brady show today, and uh, we're diving back into Tom Brady's injured thumb. I don't know if he's been injured again, handing the ball off in the last couple hours, uh, but to make sense of Brady's thumb and Blake Bortles and the conference championship games, we're bringing in Albert Breer, frequent guest of the show. Mr. Breer, good morning. How are you? How you doing, J-Mac? How you doing? Is it a somber mood in New England with Tom Brady's thumb injury being so catastrophic? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a general feeling that things are going to turn out okay. <laughs> um, but certainly, but certainly I mean, concern over it. You know, it's been a big topic of discussion here over the last few days. Um, and the one thing that's interesting is the Patriots didn't do a ton to tamp it down, you know. Um, they delayed Brady's press conference by two days, which obviously heightens um, concern. And, you know, when Brady got up there, he was very, very defensive, which you don't, you don't often see him like that. It's just his demeanor was different. and Obviously, he's wearing the glove up there. And so, you know, I, I, I think there's no question that it was an issue this week um, and that it's not – this isn't nothing <laughs> is the main thing. This isn't, this isn't something that he's – going to go out on go out tomorrow and not have to deal with they're going to have to manage it um the question i think becomes now is it just a pain management issue and there's going to be a little bit of that or is it a functionality issue and you know i i think that the you know like the 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 likelihood is that he's going to be able i mean i know he's going to start the likelihood is that he's going to be able to go out there and find a way to function with it um, the question is, is he going to be functioning at the same level he normally is? Which I don't think even he has an answer to quite yet. Yeah. Uh, we're spending so much time with this thumb. Albert, 
I got to ask, okay, when you look at this Patriots history, whether it's cheating with the videotaping, cheating with the uh, deflate gate, is there any chance at all? You, you said this is something. Is there any chance at all this is nothing and this is pure subterfuge from Brady and Belichick? No, because okay. Brady prizes practice reps. <laughs> and if they were going to screw with them, they, 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 there was a way to do it. And the way you do it is on Thursday you give them all but five practice reps and then you list them as limited. That'd be the way to do it. Um, there's monitoring on this stuff, obviously, and they're careful about the rules now because they know they have to operate at a higher standard because of their past. Um, and <laughs> the fact that he missed Thursday's practice means it's not nothing. In fact, I'd even argue that you know, there's the fact that he didn't practice Thursday certainly raises the question about how much work he did yesterday. Um, and I don't think it was I, I don't think it was that close to the full boat, you know. And so. The question, I mean, becomes then, you know, how serious it is. But it's just, I mean, you look at the, the timeline here, J-Mac, there's no question um, that, you know, this is not something that's made up or, or dropped out of the sky. Um, my understanding is, again, like everybody else, it, it happened when he hit his hand against someone else's helmet, against a, a running back's helmet in practice on Wednesday. And, you know, that obviously caused the cut, the laceration. And you know, the question then becomes what the, what the damage is past the laceration. Um, there's no ligament damage. There's no break, but that doesn't mean everything's just fine. Um, oh. So the fact that he misses that practice on Thursday, I think, tells you that this isn't nothing. Because that's not something. There's no, it, when, when it comes to the league's reporting rules, there's no sliding hand yeah. there. All right, we're talking with Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. Albert, is there any way that the NFL lets the Jacksonville Jaguars win this game? And I know that's a loaded question. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I love listen, the way you put that question. Let, let, Albert, let's keep it real here, okay? The yeah. Eagles-Vikings are not a major draw on the other side, not with those quarterbacks, okay? The Patriots, Tom Brady, Belichick, the storylines are all around New England. I know there's some from Minnesota, but listen, we, we uh, there were a lot of people – carrying on on social media about the referees and bad calls in the Titans' blowout loss to the Patriots. Yeah. Okay? They're going to be inspecting every whistle, every flag. We already saw what happened in in, uh, Pittsburgh with that Jesse James TD that was pulled off the board. Are you anticipating in a close game that the Patriots will win no matter what? I know yeah, that's loaded. Think, I'm not I trying mean, to get you trouble. Provided, provided that Brian Hoyer's not playing three quarters, <laughs> um, <laughs> then I, I, I think I think I think the Patriots will find a way to win this one. And I, I don't think. I mean, honestly, uh, the scrutiny on the officiating has been heightened to you know a degree I don't think I've seen since I've been covering the league. Maybe even since I've been following the league, um, it's been bad. And there's no question last week that those questions were asked after the Eric Decker OPI, um, after the offsides call on the punt. Um, and so, you know, those, those are fair questions to ask. And, you know, clearly the league has a lot on the line here. We know how sensitive sponsors have been um, about the ratings and uh, what they could mean for the right fields going forward. And uh, there's, look, there's, there's paranoia in the league about, um, about where you know where viewership is right now. That said, I think they know that the officiating is going to be under a microscope this weekend. And my feeling is that if you're going to you know try to screw with anything, um, 
A, you'd get caught, and B, the damage would be a lot worse than having a little bit of a lower Super Bowl rating. So that's, that's a good point. I, I think I think I think I think the the, the the thing you want to look for here is you know again the 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 spotlight that the league is under right now when it comes to officiating, and in particular officiating that involves that team. All right, Albert Breer, let's pivot off the uh, the, the conference championship games because I know you love draft season. I I know you love free agency. Um, you come in hot with stuff that's always juicy. Number one, true or false, there is no way on earth Josh Allen is the number one pick in the draft come April. I'm going to say false. I, I just think that, like, Are you crazy? I, I, I don't think there's no way. I don't think there's no way. Oh, come I mean, on. Because here's the thing. The top four guys are all flawed, right? And, and this is sort of the way it was last year with Trubisky and, and, and um, and Mahomes and Watson, uh, the, I think there's a clear top four. I just think what order um, they're going to come off the board is going to be a matter of preference. And so, I mean, I, I think right now, if I had to bet, I would say in some order, Darnold and Rosen are the first two, and then in some order, Mayfield and um, and Allen are the third and the fourth quarterbacks off the board. That said, um, look, you know, Josh Allen is exactly – who coaches fall in love with? And oh, this is when coaches gross. get involved in the process. And this is exactly this is exactly the guy who a coach is going to look at on a practice field with no defense and wearing shorts. They're going to see him move around. They're going to see him throw the ball, and they're going to say to themselves, "I can fix that guy." <laughs> um, and I'm just telling you, that's the way it works. And so there are going to be people who are going to look at Josh Allen over the course of the next three or four months, and they're going to say to themselves, "I can turn him." Into Ben Roethlisberger. Now we've seen how that doesn't. We, we, look, I think I think most of us feel like that's probably a faulty way to look at it. And you should probably be looking more at the actual evidence and how these guys played over the last couple of years. But there will be coaches who are going to say that to themselves. I, I, I think the likelihood right now, if I had to handicap it, is again Darnold and Rosen in some order, one and two, and Mayfield and Allen in some order, three and four. Not overall, it's just the order the quarterbacks come off the board. I think all four of them will likely come off the board in the top half of the first round. I just think a lot of this is going to come down to preference, and there are going to be coaches who are going to like Allen the best. I'll tell you what, Bruce Arians is one who absolutely would have. You know, uh. and so there are other coaches that like that 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 that, that, that play right. that style of offense that are going to say, "I need a big guy who can take hits and get the ball downfield." And for better or worse, when you look at the four guys. That's Allen more than the other three. Oh, that's gross. All right, Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. Let's get you out of here with two quick ones. Yep. Number one, assess the race as of now, January 20th, for Kirk Cousins. Who is the leader? Who would you have second? Who would you have third? Uh, so I'm going to give you – I'll talk my way through it. Okay. I, I, would say, I would say right now if the Redskins let him get to the market, which I think is a possibility because I think the Redskins are sick of doing this one year and then we'll see things that they've done the last couple of years. I think they, they, they understand that the only way that they're going to get an idea of what his true value is is if they let him go to the market. Let's say he gets to the market. Let's say he leaves the Redskins. Okay, so those are the conditions here. I think the number one team that would be out there for Cousins would probably be the, the, the Denver Broncos. Oh. The thing is, what would they have to do from a cap standpoint to get out there and move things around and make it work for him? Right, like, like, what would they have to? Would they have to cut a key lead? Would they have to move on from Derek Wolf? Like, they have some cap issues that they have to work through if they're going to make that happen. But I think they're motivated 
to go and get a quarterback so they can maximize the back end of the prime of that defense. Number two, I think the Jets are going to make a spirited run. Yeah! We'll see whether or not they can get him. But I think that idea is there, that that would free them up to get another good piece with the sixth overall pick where they wouldn't have to worry about quarterback anymore. So I put them number two. And then number three, I want to put the Jaguars here. because, but, 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 but the thing is, like they've got Blake for another year at a reasonable rate, and they've also got cap issues. And so at number three, I, I really, really want to put the Jaguars in there because I – I'm intrigued by the idea of it, but I'm going to put the Cleveland Browns there. I think the likelihood is that the Browns go and get Alex Smith and pair him with a rookie. But I do think that the the situation there could be intriguing for someone like Cousins who could sort of build his own thing. Yep. Um, they've got a good offensive line. If Josh Gordon's got his head on straight, he's obviously a premier weapon. David Joku is going to be a good tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, they aren't that far off. And Kirk could go there and be sort of the missing piece. And they've got an absolute crap load of cap room. And yeah. so I would say Broncos one, Jets two, and then um, Broncos one, Jets two, Browns. and the Browns three, and the Jets at number two with a possibility to move up to number one if Jeremy Bates becomes their offensive coordinator because Bates is very close with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, and I think that sort of thing will matter. Ooh, I like that. All right, we've only got time for a yes-no. Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. Does Le'Veon Bell return to the Steelers, yes or no? Yes. Ah, yes. Boring, Albert. All right. Hey, man. Thanks. Great <laughs> stuff as usual. Enjoy Tom Brady's thumb and all that, the trappings that go with it this weekend. We'll talk to you soon, Albert. Uh, thanks, you, Matt. The great Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. Uh, great intel. Jets and Cousins, baby. Make it happen. Coming up you next like year on the big lead. Like Fox Sports Radio. The NBA's getting soft. We'll get to that next in the NBA shoot-around. Oh, boy. You know Nick's on the wheels of steel. It's a new one. Lonzo Ball rapping. Damn, we've had a good show so far. Kevin Clark from The Ringer bringing some NFL noise. Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback, bringing NFL funk. We've done some LeBron. Do we have time for the shoot-around, Rob? All right, we'll quickly bounce around the NBA. My computer's down, so I can't go first. Nick, I know you're chomping at the bit to fire off about something or somebody. Bring it. What do you got? Well, Jason, the NBA All-Star starters were unnamed this week. So really quick, let me just run through them. For the East, we got Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. And for the West, we got Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Boogie Cousins. So, do you think anyone got snubbed? I got a couple. I just want to see what you think really quick. Wait, who were the five in the West? KD, yeah, KD, Curry, Curry, Harden, and Cousins. I would replace Cousins with Jimmy Butler. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but that's it. I don't know that that's a snub. I mean, Cousins has good numbers. Uh, who do you think got snubbed? I mean, I really like Oladipo over DeRozan this year. I mean, oh, DeRozan's having a great year, but Oladipo has just been a stud. Yeah. I mean, Toronto's like uh, third in the East or se- uh, second. Cleveland's third, I think. I mean, right. DeRozan's been great. Oladipo's been tremendous. They lost to the Lakers last night. Also, I don't know. I mean, Curry got hurt. Westbrook over uh Oh, get Curry. the hell out of here. Uh, no way is Russell Westbrook uh, over right. Curry. Okay. You're drunk. He's almost having a triple-double Did you Did you year. go on Tinder last night? Are you still hungover? Yeah, maybe. Russell Westbrook over Curry, never. Get out of here. Rob, what do you got? My big problem is that the uh, NBA decided not to telecast the NBA All-Star Draft 
That could have been a ratings bonanza. We would have seen some hurt feelings, which would have been Oh, great. hurt feelings. Millionaires with the hurt feelings. Come on, that's some soft millennial stuff, Rob. I would have I loved mean, to seen Steph Curry uh, select Russell Westbrook over Clay Thompson. He would not have selected Westbrook. That would have no been great. Way. Or, or see uh, uh, LeBron James pick uh, Bradley Beal over Kevin Love. That would have been great, too. I, no, guys, come on. I, I think it's a little overblown. There's a couple that would have mattered. Um, but that's it. Like Kyrie, would LeBron select Kyrie Irving? I I don't know. Um, should have been live. I wish it was live televised. Uh, what I what I like is the tanking. People are aggressively tanking. This draft is going to be good. I don't think we're going to see a lot at the trade deadline. I don't think Kemba Walker goes anywhere. Coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, my official gambling picks in the NFL. I'm back. Hour number three here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know what? It just dawned upon me, folks. It just hit me as I was preparing for this segment. I haven't spent any time on Jaguars-Vikings. I'm sorry, Vikings-Eagles. That's how, uh, basically, it's all Patriots all the time here. I've been, we talked about Tom Brady's thumb from every possible angle. We have discounted the Jaguars numerous times. And then I keep forgetting, oh yeah, the Eagles are playing the Vikings in a conference championship. That's how anonymous this game is. And what's weird is I like the Vikings a lot the first two weeks of the postseason. Coming in, I went and actually picked them to go and win the Super Bowl. Put a few shekels on them. Talked them up on FS1 and on uh, FoxSports.com. But then something happened. They actually played a game. They looked awful in the second half. The offensive line was just crumbling. And the Philadelphia Eagles, meanwhile, did what I thought they would do. Be methodical. I picked the Falcons to win, but I didn't. I thought Foles would step in it, make a couple mistakes. He, they didn't let him make mistakes. And so what I saw last weekend has changed my mind. I actually love the Eagles getting the points. I like them on the money line. This is not a pro-Nick Foles play. This is not a pro-Doug Peterson play. This is all about... And, and again, we'll get to an expert on gambling here in a second. For me, this is all about Case Keenum going outdoors. I looked at the numbers. Did you see what happened when Case Keenum went outside in Carolina earlier this year? Two picks. Did you see Case Keenum outdoors against the Redskins? Bad game from him. Two picks. He did throw several touchdowns against an overrated secondary. But Case Keenum outdoors is not the same quarterback that he is indoors with two great receivers. And against under against what will be heavy pressure from that nasty Eagles front seven, I have totally changed my mind, and I love the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's not just because I have an Eagles futures ticket that I'm taking the Eagles to win, but let's make sense of the gambling world and bring in a good friend of mine, Todd Furman, a former Caesars Palace odds maker. He is on the Bet the Board podcast, which I try to listen to as often as I can. Todd, good morning. How's Vegas? 
Uh, things are good. You know, it's the calm before the storm with championship weekend. And then, of course, we have the inevitable lull before folks will flood our fine casinos from all over the country uh, looking about props, straight bets, you name it. All I can say, Jason, is I'm not going to share the optimism that some of the bookmakers here think that even if it's Jacksonville against Philadelphia, that betting handle would break records. I think the best case scenario for the state of Nevada would be the Patriots narrative against the Vikings playing at home. You think Patriots uh, over Patriots Eagles, huh? Yeah, I think uh, just with the Vikings storyline being the first team to ever play a Super Bowl in their own building would create a little bit more buzz, so to speak. Although the Eagles, they definitely get their fervent fan base, and they'll have folks that will come out here creating some of that. But I think at the same time, New England against Philadelphia, you're going to have a massive number on that particular Super Bowl, should that be the matchup we get. All right, before we get to Tom Brady's thumb and the plummeting line in the Patriots Jags game. I, I got to ask you this, Todd. So, a, as an NF, I, I consider myself a recreational gambler. I love the NFL, college football. Uh, so, I'll get down on both of those. But other than that, it's basically March Madness. Maybe I'll dabble in the NBA a little bit at the beginning, but the NBA is crazy. We know this. Uh, here's what I don't get, Todd. If you are in my boat, right? You're just recreational. You don't do this for a living. How can you not find a side and pick one this weekend? Like, well, I, I think you, you have just, to, and it, yeah. it's what we always talk about on the Bet the Board podcast, as you mentioned. It depends what your objectives are as a sports better. If the goal is to try and have action, you want to have a little sweat, and you know there are only three meaningful football games left. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can bet the Pro Bowl or the two <laughs> college All-Star games, but uh, I would encourage folks to kind of refrain from that behavior. You're going to want to have a little skin in the game. So I know a lot of my buddies fall into that same boat. They want to bet a side. They want to bet a total. They want to find a prop or two. So it's all about trying to identify an opportunity. I, of course, come at it from a little bit different perspective that I can make just as much money betting the NHL later today as I can betting the NFL games tomorrow. Wow. See, now that's where it's weird because I know there is supposedly the WNBA is like easy to bet or what have you, but then you have to actually watch those games or care or follow the scores a little bit like NHL. I mean, dude, I haven't watched a hockey game in several years. I haven't I mean, watched a hockey game. You know, Jason, with our inaugural franchise, uh, with the Golden Knights vying for top spot in the Western Conference, hockey fever spreading throughout Las Vegas. <laughs> but I actually come with a little bit of bias there. That was a sport I played growing up, oh. uh, played through my college time. So hockey's always been in my DNA. But when you mention sports like the WNBA, it's definitely a more inefficient market than what you get in the NFL. But at the same time, professional bettors won't spend nearly as much time on it because they can't get these same large bets. So to play a numbers game, you're better served moving large sums of money on the NFL and hitting about a 55% clip if you can do it than betting the WNBA and hitting 60% plus just because you'll be able to bet substantially more money Hmm. here at the casinos and, of course, offshore books as well. Okay, we're talking with Todd Furman of the Bet the Board podcast. Todd, let's say I was super pumped about my Eagles money line, Eagles plus three, and I wanted to go into some casinos in Vegas. What's the largest amount that just a random dude off the street such as myself could could get down with. For games of this magnitude, I mean, you'd have no problem really walking in off the street trying to bet $20,000 on any of the four sides going this weekend. Moneyline bets, it's all going to depend on who the house needs. And if you make some of those uh, accommodations ahead of time, uh, there's a chance that they'll take you know, upwards of forty, fifty thousand. And if you negotiate the right sweetheart deals, maybe even six figures. This is the time of year where big bettors come out of the woodwork. They want to get their sweat. Much easier to get down substantial sums on the NFL this time of year than it would be if you're trying to bet Tuesday night maction in late November. Hmm. Okay, so Todd, let's let's take it to the next step. Let's say a random guy, like you said, gets excited, conference championship weekend, wants to come in and put a hundred K on the Eagles money line or the Eagles plus three. 
Are they going to then move the line after the guy bets? It's all going to depend on what the market is doing at the same time and exactly what the books are looking at from a liability perspective. For example, when I was behind the counter at Caesars, we'd always have a lot of big bettors come in. The Sunday night you hung that Super Bowl line, two weeks before kickoff, looking to try and take full advantage. If they wanted to bet into that opening number, I was more than willing to try and extend them as large a limit as my boss would allow, knowing that, all right, I'm going to have time for this market to mature. I know I'm going to take large bets from casino customers. So if you're coming in looking to try and do that and everybody in town is kind of painted three, you'd have to be foolish as a bookmaker not to take that $100,000 bet, knowing that there's a great opportunity. Should you want to choose to move that number down to two and a half, you'll get a little bit of buyback or sit at three and hope that you can get a big time casino customer that wants to go the other way and back to Vikings. Okay. We're talking with Todd Furman, uh, co-host of the Bet the Board podcast. And so, Todd, g- give me your best side of the weekend. What do you think is the better bet? Eagles at three, and it, I don't know if it is it still three or is it three and a half? And then uh, are the Jags at seven or seven and a half against the uh, Patriots? Uh, this game, Eagles and Vikings painted three pretty much everywhere in town and through the offshore world. Number did get out to three and a half earlier this week, Jason, and you saw immediate money from the professional betters thinking low-scoring game. We're going to grab the valuable hook, and we'll figure out what to do with it later. Jacksonville, New England, that game got as high as nine and a half. That professional betters, even before the Brady injury was made public, uh, started to drive that price down. It wasn't until early this morning we started to see a little bit more Patriots money enter the market, taking that from seven to seven and a half. If I had to bet one of these sides this weekend, and I'm not invested in either of these games right now, aside from a team total that we talked about on the Bet the Board podcast, I would lean towards the Jags, plus 7.5. I think this game has the chance to be very competitive from start to finish. I won't be as bold to say this team can win the game outright, but it wouldn't shock me if New England, a workmanlike effort, they established Deion Lewis on the ground, Brady spreads the ball around enough, uh, and New England emerges with, say, let's call it a four or five point victory, maybe somewhere in that 21-16 range. All right, so Todd, are you in the prop game? Because uh, we had a guy come on last week who said Brady completions over 24 or something. He had like 20 in the first half. Because uh, I'm trying to look for props and uh, give me all the Dion Lewis props you can find, right? I do a little bit of dabbling on props, and from Deion Lewis, you have to try and figure out where your threshold is going to be. Do you want to go straight rushing yards? Do you want to look rushing receiving? Do you want to look at carries? But for running backs, honestly, and I don't have a strong opinion on the Eagles, I think Jay Ajayi has to be the key cog uh, for Philadelphia. The workload was shared a little bit too much for my liking last weekend against Atlanta, but when you look at his rushing total, Jason, 56 and a half, That's I feel low. like he's going to get 20 to 25 touches against a Vikings defense that we know is stout against the run, but drops off substantially when they go out on the road. I think Ajayi becomes the biggest bet that you can make from a prop bet standpoint on any of the four running backs that we're going to see in action tomorrow. 56 seems real low, Todd. Do you think that is a factor of the Blunt uh, and Clement issue where they like to divide up the carries? Exactly. Because of the workload, you don't know if he's going to be their bell cow and you've only seen him get between 12 and 15 carries most of these weeks. You figure four yards per carry is the number it's going to take to get you there. And if he doesn't get to 15 touches, it could be a little bit daunting to do that. Uh, so if you knew that LeGarrette Blunt was only going to get two to five carries, then you'd feel much more comfortable. Uh, but that's kind of the cat and mouse game. If you do some poking around, you, you read in the game plan and try and figure out what Doug Peterson may elect to do to attack this Vikings defense, uh, I, I think that Ajay has to be the guy. One other thing to keep tabs on as well, we still don't know the status of Andrew Zendejo in the secondary oh, that's right. for the Vikings. Zimmer has kind of said he expects him to be there, but he still has yet to clear concussion protocol. So without him there kind of helping in the run game, I think you're going to see even more Ajayi trying to get there between the tackles. Yeah. All right, so Todd, let me ask you this. 
uh, you you were trying to read into Doug Peterson's game plan, and and I get that, but I just looked it up. This guy was coaching high school football in Louisiana a decade ago. Like <laughs> I, I don't understand what Doug Peter. I don't think he's a very good coach. You know, Carson Wentz propped him up a lot. Remember last year, this is a guy people were ready to run out of town after one season. Like they did oh. not like him in Philadelphia. And I think, you know, you look at the development of Carson Wentz and, of course, that defensive line that just cycles in fresh body after fresh body. Fletcher Cox will be an absolute nightmare for the Vikings to try and slow down. If the second half, as you mentioned, where the Saints started a crater of the pocket, Cam Jordan lived in the backfield. If Minnesota can't figure something out there, they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, But you mentioned Peterson, and that's part of the reason that I can't make a same case this week for the Eagles being a live underdog as I could last week. They had two weeks to scheme plan and game game plan uh, for the Atlanta Falcons and were able to muster a robust 15 points. You do worry a little bit that the Vikings may let down off the emotional high last week, but what kind of wrinkles will he have in the game plan? I just don't trust Nick Foles to do enough in the passing game that if they can't get the running game on track from start to finish, where those points, and more importantly, the yards will come from. Okay, but Todd, could you argue then that at the same time the Vikings had two weeks to prepare? They looked great in the first half when they had scripted everything. And then in the second half, as the Saints adjusted, the Vikings could do nothing. I mean, they looked awful for until, you know, a lucky play at the end carried them to victory. Uh, no doubt about it. And you definitely have to have concerns there. It was almost as though the Vikings thought they had the game won, being able to lean on their talented defense when they went into the break with a 17 nothing lead. And then as that collar started to tighten a little bit, we saw that you know, pick from Case Keenum that really opened the door. The you know, major difference there is Drew Brees was going, always going to come out with a gunslinger mentality, a little bit different than Nick Foles. If Philadelphia gets down 17 nothing, I'm pretty confident that they're not going to be able to battle back the same way we saw the Saints really spread the ball around. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, should have walked out of uh, U.S. Bank Stadium with that victory. All right, Todd Furman, I'll get you out of here with this one. Uh, a fairly easy one. You, like, you, you said your side pick would be Jags plus seven if forced to make a pick. Do you think any part of you asks yourself, man, there's no way the NFL is letting the Patriots lose this game? No way! Does any part of you think like that, or is that just the uh, conspiracy theorist in me? I think I've seen enough Patriot games and knowing what's on the line that there may be a key holding call, a pass <laughs> interference call, and a late juncture of the game, should it be close, that the NFL may tell their zebras to kind of give the Patriots the benefit of the doubt. I, as we said, I don't think the scenario of Jacksonville uh, playing for the Super Bowl in a couple short weeks would be ideal by any stretch of the imagination. So while you never like to insinuate conspiracy theory in the NFL, we know it's been prevalent in the NBA in the past, so it wouldn't shock me if there was a little bias towards New England to give them a key call should they need it at a key juncture in the game. All right, great. Great stuff, Todd. Thank you. Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast. You should definitely listen to that. Good stuff from Todd. Uh, Mr. Vegas, actually, I like to call him. All right, coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. You know, we really haven't done enough on the Pittsburgh Steelers and their absolute collapse last week. I'm going in on Mike Tomlin and, and there is a second layer to it that I haven't heard anybody say. That's next on The Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. Succeeding at the Farmers Insurance Open can all come down to experience. You need to know the angles and understand the hazards to get the job done. Whether choosing your club or choosing your insurance company, Farmers knows experience matters. That's probably why they've invited Fox Sports Radio back to broadcast live from the Farmers Insurance Open this Wednesday. Visit FarmersInsuranceOpen.com for tournament info or join the conversation at hashtag FIO18. Hashtag FIO18. 
And remember, at Farmers, they've seen almost everything, so they know how to cover almost anything. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it's about to get ugly. Strap in. I'm not giving out the number because you're not going to like this. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Mike Tomlin, 11 years as the head coach of the Steelers. How about this one? No losing seasons. That's good. Only missed the playoffs three times. Two 500 seasons. Okay? Mike Thomas had a good run as head coach. No doubt about it. Is he a top 10 coach in the NFL? I don't know. I don't know. I got to give that some thought. Based on success, certainly. But he also has a Hall of Fame quarterback, a potential Hall of Fame wide receiver in Antonio Brown. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's had an amazing start to his career. All right, so we got the positive out of the way on Mike Tomlin, right? I'm not saying you've got to fire him, but something has to be done. And and I do believe what the theory is, and, and this is how I would look at it. Here's how you need to think about the Steelers. I go to Mike Tomlin this offseason. I say, Mike, I don't want to hear this excuse that you have to play in the same conference as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Because in the last four years, here's who's bounced you in the playoffs. You just lost to Blake Bortles at home. The year before that, you lost to Brady on the road. It wasn't close. The year before that, you lost to Peyton Manning on the road. Understandable. The year before that, you lost to Joe Flacco at home. So you're you're not just getting bounced by Tom Brady every year in the playoffs. Now, yes, Brady and Belichick own Tomlin. I believe it's 8-2 or... 7-2 and two or 8-2 and two against him overall. Here's my main issue with Mike Tomlin. You know how in life when something sticks around too long, it just kind of starts to feel stale? Whether it's a house guest, coach, player. Mike Tomlin's been around so long, it feels stale. The players... I think they've been given too long a leash. I think they've started to tune out Mike Tomlin. Here's why. And I gave this out last week before I told you the Jaguars were going to beat the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's problem is not only getting his team up to play inferior teams. Mike Tomlin's problem is when the Steelers have time, a week off for the bye week, a week off before a playoff game, they stink. In the last four years, They've lost out of the bye week three times. This year, they had a, they needed a late field goal to beat the lowly Colts. So now you've got Mike Tomlin giving his players too long of a leash. He tries to be too cool and buddy-buddy with them. He's got a bunch of playoff chokes. And then last Sunday, you go into a game favored by a touchdown. And you come out and you fall behind 21 nothing. You get pistol whipped by the Jaguars and Blake Bortles in the first quarter at home. It was an embarrassment. A flat-out embarrassment from Mike Tomlin. 
And that's my main issue. This next number is going to alarm you because you're not hearing it anywhere else. The Steelers this year were 2-6 and six against the spread as a favorite of a touchdown or more. And I know what you say, Jason, forget the gambling, forget the spread. No. When they're favored by a touchdown or more, they don't show up. That is pathetic. Mike Tomlin can't get his players up for inferior opponents. He doesn't coach well out of the bye week. They lose to whoever in the playoffs. It feels stale. Now then, I can hear you already shouting at the radio, well, Jason, why don't you just fire Tomlin? And here's where it gets difficult. I'm not of the belief you just fire somebody just to fire them because they've been, you know, bad. You need a replacement ready. And I don't think the Steelers thought they were going to lose to the Jags. So it's not like they had anybody ready. You can fire the coordinators. The the defensive coordinator should, I mean, come on. They, they got destroyed by the Jags. The offensive coordinator, Haley, they're not renewing him. Fine, that's fine. Get rid of the coordinators. You can't get rid of Tomlin because you don't have anybody lined up. If the Steelers were a smart organization and it's a smart front office, and I think they do well, a lot of things well. As we talked to Cordell Stewart last week about, The Steelers have done a great job in the draft finding hard-nosed Midwestern players. Guys who went to college in the Midwest, are from the Midwest, or from that, you know, blue-collar town in Pennsylvania or Ohio that fit into the tough ethos of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That mentality that, oh, it's 10 degrees, I'm excited to go play football. They've done a good job of identifying that. What they haven't done, it falls upon their coach, Mike Tomlin. Now, I know, I know, Ryan Shazier, that was a massive loss. That was terrible. Tough to come out of that. Because they got lit up after Ryan Shazier went down. The Ravens ran roughshod all over. I mean, it was bad. And the Jags just hung 38 points on them. You know, 45 that was the final score, but they had a defensive touchdown in there. So I think what has to happen is you got to go to Mike Tomlin before free agency and say, Mike, we got to clean some things up. We can't have this happen next year. So I think you got to look at Mike Mitchell, that mouthy safety, who, by the way, is not very good. And you got to say, all right, we might have to cut bait here. And then you got to look Le'Veon Bell in the face and say, what do you want to be, an all-time great? Or do you want all the money in the world? Because there's a happy middle ground where you can be an all-time great and get a lot of money, and we can win a lot. Because Le'Veon Bell, your stock's going to go up when the Steelers win Super Bowls again. Big Ben, the clock is ticking. I think you may have to walk away from Le'Veon Bell. I know that's going to be tough to stomach. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. He's one of the top five running backs in the NFL. Probably top three. But it's easier to replace Le'Veon Bell than it is Ryan Shazier. You can find running backs, okay? I'll I'll give you a couple names right now because I've done the research. Le'Veon Bell wants $12, $15, 18000000 million. That's absurd. That's not going to be enable, enable you to fix the defense, replace Ryan Shazier. He ain't coming back next year, folks. Okay? That secondary needs help. I think in the draft, you can target a guy like Sonny Michelle out of Georgia. They're running back, excellent catching the ball, shifty runner. You get him in the second round. Rashad Penny. 
kid out of San Diego State, really good running back. He's going to be a fourth-round pick who's going to light the world up. Again, there were listen, nobody drafted Devontae Freeman thinking he would be a top-five running back within three years. You're seeing a lot of these running backs fall in the second, third, fourth round and become elite quickly. So I say you walk away from Le'Veon Bell, you free up cap room, you bolster the defense. You've already got Antonio Brown, one of the greatest receivers in the NFL. Antonio Brown's trending toward being an all-time great receiver. You got Juju Smith-Schuster, who's young and good. I think you've got to go to Tomlin and say, I need a game plan out of you. Let's talk. And I think you get to get him on the clock and you start kicking some rocks. Hey, Tony Dungy, I know you're old. Do you want to come back? I don't I, I don't know that Dungy's definitely the guy. I know he's got his issues as a head coach. We all do. Well, they all do. I'm obviously not a head coach. But I would be disgusted at what happened to the Steelers against the Jaguars if I was in that front office. And yes, I will say this on the closing note. If the NFL doesn't rob Jesse James of that touchdown against the Patriots, yes, everything changes. Jesse James scored a touchdown, was robbed, and then the Steelers lost home field advantage. It's a total robbery, and it makes me sick to my stomach thinking about it. I love the Steelers team this year. I thought they were as talented as anyone in the league. But what happened against the Jags? 21-0 deficit right out of the gate at home. That's an embarrassment. So Mike Tomlin, I think you're on the clock, buddy. Coming up next here on the Big Lead, Fox Sports Radio. We look back at last week's crystal ball. I believe I was undefeated or close to it because I'm really good at this. And we will make championship game week, championship weekend picks next. But first, let's go to Deb Carson for the latest in sports. Well, the NFL says no harm, no foul. The Raiders did not violate the Rooney rule. They followed it when they hired their new head coach, John Gruden. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady officially listed as questionable for Sunday's AFC Championship game against the Jaguars. And we've got top 25 college hoops action underway. Top-ranked Villanova leads at UConn 18-11, eight to go first half, seven to go first half in Iowa City. Third-ranked Purdue pounding Iowa 26-10 in Houston. Seventh-ranked Wichita State trails at Houston, a 17-9 lead for the Cougs, eight to go in the first half. And at Madison Square Garden, number 22 Ohio State with a 28-22 lead at Minnesota, 7 to go in the first. Air Force Academy's games against Fresno State have been canceled because of the imminent uh, government overnight shutdown. Congress didn't agree on a budget by midnight Eastern time. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Jason, early NBA action today. LeBron James and the Cavaliers hosting the Thunder. And the news from the New York Times says the Cavs are working separate deals trying to acquire Clippers center DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams, as well as Kings guard George Hill. Clippers have already ruled out Jordan for tonight's game against the Jazz because of his sprain ankle thank you deb this i i george hill lou williams and deandre jordan <laughs> quite the trio yeah that's that sure is putting you over the top against the warriors yeah lebron always needs somebody extra doesn't he <laughs> every every season it's a way i can't do it by myself i got yeah. nobody uh, <laughs> i'm not a lebron hater i like no, lebron I, I, like- I do i do too but it, it does seem like this time you know every year we kind of get the same story yep all right thanks deb you back bet. here on the big lead fox sports radio i'm your host 
Jason McIntyre coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Now, actually, I was just looking at last week's pre-snap reads. I, uh, Antonio Brown and uh, Le'Veon Bell, I had under 100 yards. Le'Veon was definitely under. Did Antonio top 100? It was close. Dang it! He caught that two lucky bombs. AJ Bouye, you let me down, bro. All right, let's go to the pre-snap reads. It's about time! The only NFL predictions you'll need. Time for us to turn it up a notch. This is your pre-snap read in the big league. All right, let's let's hear the scorecard, uh, Rob, before we go to uh, this week's pick. Well, you didn't specify whether or not Le'Veon would have under 100 total or 100 rushing. Oh. But he... Uh, Definitely had under 100 rushing at 67. Had over 150 total. Antonio Brown, 132, two touchdowns. So rough week for you last week. You went 0-2. Ah! Nick, <laughs> double down on the uh, against the Patriots. Plus 13 and a half with the Titans. That was a loss. Yeah. Deion Lewis, 150 total yards. He had about 130. So he was close, but oh. another loss. I got the lone win in this one. I had the Jags plus seven over Pittsburgh. So that helped out. Stick with that. Wait, so, Nick, when was your last win? Like we 2017? You know, I have the most almost wins out of all of us, so whatever. Yeah, we're not playing horseshoes, buddy. <laughs> all right. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to go first, and I'm just going to keep it simple, right? Uh, when you're making mistakes, keep it simple. Kiss it. Keep it simple, stupid. So I will load up with my first one. And this is, you know, this is nothing special. I am going to Philadelphia Eagles to cover plus three at home against the immortal Case Keenum and the Vikings. Eagles plus three is my first pick. I'll get a little exotic with my second one. All right, Nick, what's your latest whiff? All right, well, last week I whiffed big time. I thought the Titans would give the Patriots a game. Way wrong. I'm going double. I'm doubling down against the Patriots again this week, Jason. Here's the thing. This Tom Brady hand thing is a bigger deal. I think I think reports are right. I think it's a bigger deal than people think, and I think there's something up with it. This Jaguars defense, okay, this Jaguars offense put up 45 against the Steelers. I know Steelers isn't a great defense, but come on. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. I'll go 24-21 Patriots. Okay. Rob? So you have the Jags to cover? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to stick with the uh, Jacksonville Patriots game. This is a a harken back to a stat that you dropped on us, Jason, a few hours ago. The Jacksonville Jaguars are undefeated in games that Blake Bortles doesn't turn the ball over. Tom Brady will have more turnovers tomorrow than Blake Bortles. That's kind of juicy. That's a tease to my next pre-snap read. I'm just going to put that out there. So Brady, are you going to specify fumbles? doesn't matter. Turnovers. Okay. Turnovers. Uh, all right, I'm going off the board here with a double dip. I'm going with the running backs head-to-head in Patriots-Jags. I believe Leonard Fournette will have under 100 yards, and Deion Lewis will have over 100 yards rushing. So now, Fournette, you're specifying rushing, not Just total. rushing, yeah. Okay. No, no, Deion gotcha. Lewis is going to eat him up out of the backfield. I love Telvin and your boy Miles Jack, but, I mean, Deion Lewis in space is a shifty little... I can't say those two letters, but... Uh, yeah, and I don't know that Fournette is going to be able to get loose. You know, you know what Belichick does? He takes away your number one thing. It's the most obvious thing that he does. Took away Antonio Brown in the AFC title game last year. That's what he does. He's going to take away Fournette. Say, Blake Bortles, throw the ball to uh, this guy, uh, Alan Hearns. 
You know, Alan Hurts is like their best receiver. He had one catch against the Steelers, and they had 38 points. Um, I can't even name the other receivers on the Jags. They're just a bunch of guys. D.D. Westbrook, I think, is one of them, the former star at Oklahoma. Um, he had some issues coming out of there. Um, yeah, that, so I I really want the Jags to win, but the NFL won't let it happen. So I'll go Deion Lewis over 100 yards rushing, Leonard Fournette under 100. Nick? Oh, you're probably going to win with that Deion Lewis now that I lost last week. But anyway, I'm going to go to Philly, Jason. I'm going to go tight end here. I love Zach Ertz has been one of the most underrated guys this whole season. Zach Ertz has kept that team afloat, I think. I'm going Zach Ertz, a few tied, few touchdowns. A few? Two touchdowns in no, that no, game. No, 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 no. A couple is two. A two few. touchdowns and okay. 100-plus yards. I think, you know, I think Nick Foles plays well enough to win that game against Minnesota. Nobody has ever said that in his career. So you think he's going <laughs> to play well? Okay. Hey, well, Clay Travis laughed at me last week when I predicted the Jags were going to beat the, the Steelers. So, eh. Okay. Uh, All right, Rob, my, bring us home. My last pre-snap read here on the big lead, Jason McIntyre. It involves something that you do. It's called the uh, double up. Uh, oh, uh. wow, going with a double up. I'm going with a double up here. I'm picking two outright winners. I don't need the spread. I'm picking outright. The Minnesota Vikings, they are road favorites. They're going to win in, in Philadelphia. Number two, the upset special, Jacksonville, will pull off the upset to end all upsets. And beat Tom Brady in Foxborough and his busted thumb. Uh, listen, your lips to, you know, Blake Bortle's oh. hand. As the only guy who's won in, in the pre-snap reads the last three weeks, I feel like well, I well, should well, get some I, that's, Is that true? I think I'm winning right now. That, that can't be true. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> that brings us home. Coming up next. Hey, oh, let me add this quickly. So I got a text about an hour ago from this sharp gambler who spends a lot of money gambling. He told me, check out. Purdue's national championship futures. And I'm like, come on, dude. What you gotta be kidding me. I just I've been watching this first half. Purdue is up 40 to 16 at Iowa. I was like, okay, maybe my guy's on to something. Uh, uh so you can get them plus twenty two hundred to win the title. The Purdue Boilermakers. I can't even envision them in the final four, much less winning at all. But I just thought I'd give out that little gambling tip for you here, because that's what we do. All right, coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I have a couple other thoughts on the Lakers. I'm going to Lakers-Knicks tomorrow. And if Lonzo and Ingram don't play, I'm demanding my money back. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Just going through potential topics to end the show with. Uh, There's a lot of fun stuff out there. I kind of like this freewheeling final topic. Um, You guys know, like, I I really love the NBA. Uh, I love the storylines. I like college basketball a lot. Um, and I think the NFL really needs these juicy storylines. Like they, you saw that the ratings were down for all four games significantly. And I know still football still dominates and it's still very, the most watched. And maybe people are just changing their habits and and it's more about viewing habits as opposed to tuning out sports altogether. But when I just I when I look at what's about to happen in the NBA with this offseason and LeBron moving, I just don't understand how you can't get excited about it. We know the East has been down for years, right? LeBron's path to the finals, where we know he's going to get blown out, he could have to go through the 76ers with Embiid and Simmons. They are going to be young. They are going to be exciting. That's not going to be a 4 nothing walkover. 
Okay? Embiid and Simmons. There's no back-to-backs Embiid has to worry about. So then let's say they get to the second round, which they should. Cavs should. LeBron's going to have to get by the Greek freak and his buddy Eric Bledsoe. And Jabari Parker should be healthy by then, right? So he's going to have to go through, in the first two rounds, three of the top, what, 10 best young players in, in the NBA. So then you get to the conference finals, and it wasn't a walkover. These aren't the Hawks you're, you're destroying. These, these aren't the Charlotte Hornet, Bobcat, whatever the team they are. And then you've got to face the best defensive team in the NBA with the best closer, maybe, in Kyrie Irving and a top three coach in Brad Stevens. I'm telling you, add up all that. And Nick, you're looking at me like, oh, what is he going to say? And then the cloud of LeBron's free agency hovering. Folks, the second they have a surprising loss, the second there's a fourth quarter meltdown, it's going to be the panic button push. Remember, Isaiah Thomas. I I know what you're going to say. Hey, the the Cavs did this last year in January, and, and, and this always happens with LeBron's teams. Remember, there are two factors that LeBron's never had to deal with. His impending free agency and his second best player, if you want to call Isaiah second, maybe Kevin Love second, a pivotal player, Isaiah Thomas, needs to get his points up because he's looking for big money. And when Ty Lue was talking about agendas, it later came out that Isaiah Thomas is like, wait, we're, we don't practice here? Uh, I need to practice to get back into game shape. Brad Stevens practices. Practice. LeBron, I'm a 15-year veteran. I've been to the finals seven years in a row. I play the most minutes in the NBA. Ain't no way in hell I'm practicing, Isaiah. Like, there are some issues there. Nick, you're, you're starting to nod. You're, you're... We've been on this, Nick. LeBron's out, people. I don't care where you are listening. I don't care what you think. All signs are pointing to LeBron leaving. And they have for a while. So, real quick, I don't think you've been on record yet. I've seen you on FS1. Is Cleveland losing to Boston? In the playoffs. I, I, I will only maintain it's a toss-up. There's too many factors at play. Is Gordon Hayward coming back? Mm, what if he comes back uh, two weeks so. before the end of the season? Dude, there's a lot of time left. Man, I don't know. That injury was nasty, though. I mean, I, I, I think I saw reports where it would be like late, late, late in the season where he might come back, right? Yeah. I mean, I, again, we don't know. It, it, I love Here's what I'm seeing out of Jason Tatum. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. If if they lose to Boston in the playoffs, I think he's for sure out of there. But, I mean, it's a given. He's, oh, that's a gonna no-brainer. Get, they're going to yeah. get smoked by the Warriors. Then I think, I still think he's going to stay. Okay, but how about they, this If one? they lose to Boston. Ew. Who will have a bigger chip on their shoulder in the Eastern Conference Finals? Kyrie Ooh. or LeBron? <laughs> now, you can say, hey, it's got to be LeBron. I mean, nobody leaves LeBron. But Kyrie Irving, dude. No, you could see He seems like, dude, this was my team. You showed up here. I won us game seven in the finals. Yeah, and LeBron really didn't, you know, try too hard to keep him, I don't think. Yeah. Don't All sure. anybody's saying about last year's finals when they got destroyed by Golden State. Well, LeBron averaged a triple double. Uh, I get it. Kyrie Irving had a 40 point game in their lone win. When they needed Kyrie against the Celtics in the series before, remember it was 2 1. Uh, Isaiah Thomas wasn't even playing. And the Celtics were up in the third quarter, and Kyrie took over. I'll never forget that quarter. Go look it up on YouTube. Kyrie must have had like 22 points in the quarter. It was just one of those, he could, nobody can stop him around the rim, and he just buries threes. 
they miss they they miss Kyrie Irving, no doubt in Cleveland significantly. I think he's going to have the bigger chip. Nobody's taken down LeBron in seven years in the East. If Kyrie does it, <laughs> and, and, and I'll go this step, Rob. You can put this on the hot take board. The Celtics would give the Warriors more problems in the finals right now than the Cavs. <gasps> better defensively, better coach, better finisher in Kyrie. Celtics would give, I, I'll stand by that. Celtics will give the Warriors a bigger problem. I'm not saying they're taking two games. I'm just saying you can't go toe-to-toe with Goliath and say we're just going to try to outscore you. you got to show up with a slingshot and try something else. And the Celtics are going to show up and play 48 minutes of awesome defense from Rozier to Smart to Tatum to Jalen Brown. You guys are quiet all of a sudden. Well, I just want to let you know that LeBron James is so worried about the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. He just posted another topless video on Instagram of him dancing and lifting weights. So he's real. Is that that like breaking news? LeBron on IG. I follow him. He's real concerned. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, And he's wearing a a a do rag like he has hair. Well, it's interesting because remember for a while LeBron had been posting photos of like squad and it's like the guys posted up against the wall like Kevin Love, Jr. Have you seen one of those in a while? Have you seen any of those? Huh? When was the last time not. the team, other than New Year's Eve, when they were all celebrating, when was the t- last time the Cavs like, got together and he posted a picture of squad? I'm telling you, man, there are cracks in the foundation in Cleveland. I am Hashtag loving every Laker. I am loving all of it. Hey, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, the podcast will be up you know, within the next hour or two. Look for me at the Lakers game tomorrow. Go Jags! See you next week! Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.